amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Team Never Quit. Team Never Quit. Team Never Quit Radio. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off. And to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, Buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Welcome to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Lalone Survivor Luttrell, and the one and only, The Wizard. I don't even know what sound effect that is for, but that's your sound effect. Sound good, bud. Welcome to the show. Our mission in life is to bring you the most positive content on podcast today. And our job is to teach you how to face the adversity in life, how to overcome the obstacles, and how to kick ass with the never quit mindset. Because all three of us have seen it. We've been there, we've been through it, we've done it, we understand, and we know how to find people out there in this world that are living it day in and day out. And Marcus, we got one of those people coming on the show today. Absolutely. We got a person coming on the show, Wizard, that I'm telling you what, that is going to make people realize it doesn't matter what disability you have, what uh, what kind of setback you may have, what kind of uh, ailment, what kind of sickness. He's going to prove to each and every one of our listeners, and by the way, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us on this one, man. You have, we got one that is going to blow you away. If you're a repeat offender and you're coming back, God bless you. We love you. You're one of the people that have gotten us to 4 million downloads, man. That plus. just plus that that blows me. Dude. Yeah. Bro. Seriously, brother. I can, We're podcasting. I know it, right? I had my first speech for the year the other day and uh, did, you, did you reference it? Mhm. What'd you say? Well, normally I I, I kind of it's funny when we get older too, the more we do this to kind of come into the how uh, not so much as a chronological order, but I, I 
ultimately try and tell people when I get up there what, what they're going to hear. Yeah. It's it, it switched now. So now that I get up, the title of it is, is an evening with me, which I think is pretty cool, man, because ultimately... Gives you a lot of leeway to talk to your crowd, it, man. I, know, I, I, I might. So great. Guess what? I, 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 think I, might, Marcus I think I might change one of my my one. I like. I'm getting away from this staunch teaching shit. I'm gonna do an Evelyn with Rut now. It was really brilliant the way they did that. Oh, that's genius! I saw bro. it for the first time uh, the other day when I was going through my yeah your itinerary. itinerary yeah. yeah, battle plan. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. And um, I said. Um, Porta podcast. That's awesome. Did you really? Yeah. That actually even rhymes a little bit. Poor country board of podcaster. You're a podcaster. You uh-huh. are. How cool is that, brother? You never thought you'd be a podcaster either. Well, it didn't even exist when that's the greatest part about it, man. We, we we've claimed a title that didn't even exist most our entire lives, right? I, I never dreamed for five oh, the, seconds. The when I was in college, I used to want to host like the late night radio show, like the the show from like midnight to two a.m. You know, when everybody's getting oh, home, yeah. when everybody's hooking up, I wanted to be like the love doctor, right? <laughs> I wanted to get on there and be playing, you know, <laughs> some of that old, I don't know, uh, Portishead music. No, no, no. Yeah, no, the, the Cowboy Junkies. Daddy's Home and Wahlberg grinds out the, the pen. The pen. I can't sing. So you got, have you seen that? Totally, that dude. So totally. That great, dude. That, exactly, that station, right? Totally. <laughs> Dude, I I had some person last night. It was your friends at the at the at the foundation at the gal last night. They're like, "Great job, by the way." Oh, thanks, bro. Appreciate. No, seriously, it. it was good, man. Thanks, man. You're welcome. So they were like, "Yeah, we love the podcast, man. You you definitely have a voice for 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 radio." And then <laughs> then the, the your friend the woman was like, "But you definitely have a face for radio as well, too." And I was like, "No." Mm, well. <laughs> I just matter like two seconds. Uh, well, our women are real bold. Yeah, oh, that's geez. why we love them. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. It's straight up around here. <laughs> Keeps us in check. Texas, man. Oh, Texas. Our women are so great. Texas. If you're coming back <laughs> for more, holy cow, are you in for a show that is going to make you suck it up, Buttercup? Because there's no whining after this show, brothers. There's no bitching, there's no moaning, there's no complaining. All of your freaking excuses. We're going to teach you. They're, Even we're if flushing. you don't have a face for the radio, what you can do. <laughs> we're going to flush those. We're going to flush excuses on this one, bud. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen. Wizard, help. Why do you think it's so easy when we're hurt or injured or we're sick or we've got a disability? That we create excuses to not push ourselves. Jesus Christmas, that's a pause. You're really thinking think about what, this. I always think about. I this. know that's what I. That's what everybody loves about you. With me, I'd just be spouting something off, out from, shooting from the hip. I think it's because we, just generally speaking, of our culture, we have a continuous expectation to pursue comfort. Oh, right. Comfort zone to behavioral pattern. Comfort, which is. Nothing I mean, necessarily wrong with that. That, that. that is a normal trait, I think, to have. However, you can become too intrepid in the pursuit of that. Too intrepid. And that Good you're word. not willing to take yourself outside of anything that would, you know, make you uncomfortable, which we learned through this show that there's a lot of benefits to doing that from time to time. And I think uh, people 
are very good at justifying reasons why they don't want to uh, expand outside of uh, that comfort zone. Marcus, what do you think, bud? Why do people want to stay comfortable in their lives? Oh, it's homeostasis. Man, eighteen Delta rocks. This bump, boom. Yeah, excuse is kind of a not placeholder. You go deeper than than a placeholder. I like that concept. Time holder for not being ready. Ooh, what's up there? Uh, Holy cow, uh, that was awesome. He just explained it. Yeah, but you put that. the you put those nice bookends on well, it right that's a there. Redneck but. term. I, I'm <laughs> rednecked it down. That's all it is, dude. Well, I, here's the thing, though. I mean, obviously, from our backgrounds, th- there's no way you can keep an arm's length from being uncomfortable, right? It's a part of the process. What's interesting, though, is so often, you know, I think, and we talk about it, we hear it all the time. People have a fear of pain, right? But people out there that are living like our guests that's coming on that are living in a certain spectrum of disability that they're not afraid to experience pain. They're not afraid to experience that uncomfortable because it's, it is every day in their life. Born into it. They're Mm -hmm. born into it. It's a part of them. They, it's just, it's like they don't even stop and go, Oh man, I can't do this because of this. They're like, I'm just going to do this. And and I got to figure out how to do it. They're born into a world where we're, not allowed to have ex- not allowed and that's not right but i mean they're born into the world without excuses because everything they had the disabilities they don't, have the op- they don't have the option or the luxury yeah there you go that's of it's simply removed, opting right? out right now they have to do something and all, it's almost always uncomfortable right but that's i mean that's the beautiful part about life well and the more that we yeah it was good job and the more we see of it that everybody has a disability in some way whether it's a physical mental or in, in a job Spiritual. if you're the new guy if you're the older guy hmm. yeah, yeah we've manufactured a world <clears throat> which is is pretty i think it's great because it allows everybody to have that day when you're like man i didn't you know i was at the bottom of the rung yes and whether it's no matter what you do in life or what we do in life, we, we we've created that world where you, you have to ascend. Yeah, you do. You have to climb. Right, and then even when you get to the top, your disability after a while is your age because you're slowing down, and about, it's a circle that that constant perpetual circle of life, man, from old mm-hmm. to new. And the excuses that we throw in the middle of that are kind of time or placeholders to exist in that world that we're not ready for. Man, holy cow! Well, what I need you to do, wizard. Is I need you to introduce this cat right now. Well, his name is Kyle Maynard. We'll start with, he was a high school wrestler. He uh, CrossFit certified instructor and gym owner. Competitive MF, MMA fighter. Uh, record-setting weightlifter. He's also a mountaineer. He climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, 19,340 feet. Damn. Raised money for wounded veterans as well as some other charity organizations. Won an SB for that effort. In 2016, he reached the summit of Argentina's Mount Aconcagua. Aconcagua! Mount uh, Aconcagua. Aconcagua! Which is the highest peak in the western and southern hemispheres. I'm just going to scream that out the whole interview. No, please don't. Okay. Aconcagua! (laughs) Today, he is a a speaker, travels almost 200 days a year speaking to all sorts of uh, groups, sharing his no-excuses philosophy. It's funny that uh, that word has popped up so many times just to this point. He works with various various charities, a board member on the K2 Adventure Foundation, an ambassador for No Barriers USA, works with the USO Wounded Warrior Project, Travis Mannion Foundation, the uh, U.S. Special Forces Honor Foundation. 
He's been on Good Morning America, CBS, Oprah Winfrey, Larry King Live, Oprah? ABC's mm. 2020, ESPN Sports Center. I mean, I could just keep going and going. He's a New York Times uh, best-selling author for his autobiography in 2005. Oh wait, there's another piece of information that's important to know here. He's got no arms and no <laughs> legs. He has no arms and he has no legs. He was born with congenital amputation, which means that. And it's, and it's rare that this happens on all four of your appendages. However, it left him with arms that basically extended to the elbows and legs that go no farther than the knees. Uh, I guess it's fibrous bands that develop uh, in the womb and prevent the development of limbs. So the man has accomplished all this with, with effectively no arms and no, no legs. No arms, no legs. Marcus, I'm telling you what, I promise you, I promise you, wizard, and I promise all our listeners, dude, when they hear this, their excuses are gonna go away, dude. Let's get them on. Let's do it. Marcus, what I love most about our guest coming on is that when, when you just look at him, you, you hear him talk, you, you see the way he brings it so matter-of-factly, like, hey, Anything you're going to say to me right now, whether you're whining, your excuses, it's just I'm not going to buy it for a second. Not one single second. But what I also love is that he brings a semblance of positivity in everything he does. And you know me, brother. Mm -hmm. Captain Positive, dude. I love people that are perpetually positive in the pain. Sure, sure. Always a great example of that because it could go the other way. Sometimes people are dealt a bad hand and be negative their whole damn life. And there's some people who realize that it's not a it's not a problem, right? It's just something I got to deal with, and it's those guys you learn the most from, right? Because they see a perspective that you could not, absolutely not find. And that's what I love, brother. And that's what we're going to be doing right now is we're going to get one of the coolest perspectives that you could possibly have on the planet, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Mr. Kyle Maynard, what's up, my brother? Hey, guys, what's going on? Thank you. I'm fired up, man. Maybe it's <laughs> also this 30-ounce coffee I just chugged. <laughs> cool. All right, now, Kyle, before we jump into the meat and potatoes of this thing, man, we got to take a step back and we got to get a little warmed up, dude. All we right. got to limber up. Gotta gotta eat, gotta lengthen that neuroplasticity. Yeah, I love it that he's stretching out right now, ladies and gentlemen. This is <laughs> this is pocket. He's, he's stretching out. I love it. I'm but we're taking this part serious. I yeah, know. This is, I, I it. That's that's a big deal. <laughs> this is a big highly deal. structured and very scientific. This is very scientific <laughs> portion of of the podcast. We, we've had laureates go through this. Laureate, sir. Right, sir. Uh, sir uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We we had a night. We had a night. We dubbed him a night, though. Sir, he was on this week. He was epic, too. All right. All right. So we're going to get a little warmed up. And the way we do that, Kyle, is we do it with what we call the mad minute. Now, in special operations or in the intelligence world, when you throw a mad minute down on somebody, it's usually to find out whether or not you're going to live, you're going to die. It's really awesome. In this, <laughs> we want to find out. Just what you're made of. We want to get down right, to the. Right. We want to find out the core of who you are. So, are you ready I'm to go? Too. I'm, I'm, I'm highly, highly intrigued to find out myself. Because so. <laughs> that's the path you're on. Well, it's going to start right here, right now, for the first time in your life, Kyle. And we're going to start. <laughs> off. Are you ready? Ready. 
Marcus, fire away. All right, favorite superhero. <laughs> Batman, he was uh, no special superpowers, self-made. Well, not self-made, but made mm. himself. Dig it. I dig it, too. I, I like his costume. This is cool. The latest one, uh, Justice League one, one like, what, what's your special powers? I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> Banana flag, Batman, he dropped that one. Good. That and then it was <laughs> yeah, it Superman does. flung him like a rag doll, and he's like, oh, there's definitely blood somewhere. <laughs> New avenue of Batman I've never it. seen. Yeah, it's great. I love it. All right. If, 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 say, I, many people don't, people like such as yourself, other people we've had, they don't typically have bucket lists because they're living amazing lives every single day. But if you have a bucket list, what is one thing on there that you totally have to have to do? Sit next to Elon Musk in a spaceship. Oh, cool. That is super with a space cool. Thing too. Yeah. That that could happen, by the way. That could totally yeah, no, it's, happen. It's, it's mm-hmm. gonna happen. It's just mm-hmm. ha- just hasn't happened yet. But it's gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a good All right, one. Marcus, that was awesome. It. Send it. All right, if, if you woke up one morning as John McClane, which day would you die hard? <laughs> oh, which one of the movies would I want to be him? First one for sure. Just because it's contained in one environment, one building, and I'm you know being a quad amputee, I'm not too fast over long distances. So, you know, <laughs> not gonna tell me. <laughs> Nagatomi Plaza. Very practical Uh, approach to that question. Yeah, very practical, Kyle. Nice. Well done. All right. If you could go back in history and get drunk with someone in history, who would it be? Oh man, I'm gonna say probably probably George Washington. Nice. Just understand like how screwed he felt like he was. Every day. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and just to see kind of how I got out of that. I mean, that'd, that'd be cool. I'd love just what's in his head, right? What are you thinking about when he's looking at his, all those dudes and none of them was a professional military guy. No, they don't have shoes. They're getting ready to go into a bunch of mercenaries. And he's like, all right, let's go. Oh, yeah, like, the, the, the best stories would, wouldn't have been about the, the outcomes of the, it have been the in-betweens. You know, totally. Like, he, private so-and-so did what? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, what again? God. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm gonna cheat too. I'm gonna throw another one out there. Um, I'd say Leonidas, same thing, same scenario. You know, it's like kind of like mm-hmm. you know, okay, we're like we're doing what? You know, you got to answer those questions from those guys and get everybody still fired up to do it. Like you know, and then you got yeah, these dumbasses kind of running around doing something. You know, like you got to crawl them together. Yeah, I don't know. That would be interesting. Governor Cormier's like, man, I thought I was hoping for sure they would have exaggerated the numbers in that Persian army, but it looks like all of them showed up. Because <laughs> you, you can be hard if you think they're full of shit, right? But when you show up and it's a half a million strong, yeah. you know, like you're like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's what half a million looks like. <laughs> so that's what that looks yeah. like. Right? All right, wizard, fire away. Uh, who was one of your heroes when you were young? Oh, man. Um. You know, I'd say there were a lot. Some of them were sort of mythical, like, you know, Braveheart, William Wallace, you know, that I, I mm-hmm. think. But also, too, I mean, just to, to get a little sappy here for a second, to let you guys know how much this means to me. I mean, I think that, you know, Michael Murphy, you know, I mean, uh, I actually still to this day, everyone can go and try to hack my stuff. But like my passwords are mm-hmm. some form of, you know, Michael Murphy, you know, the usually wow. that or now Chuck Keating. Um, you know, a few others like Chuck uh, Heavy. Yeah, just awesome. to go and kind of set that reminder. You know, it's like 
no matter how you know challenging my day is and the bills I got pay or whatever, you know, it's like it just puts it in perspective even for that ten seconds. Hey man, it just does. T- Thanks, brother. Yeah, appreciate Thank you, that, man. Yeah. Hey, Marcus, shoot. Uh, best dive bar and where is it? Oh man, there's some dirty ones here in uh, in Pacific Beach in my my yes, locale. There are. Oh my, I know all of them. Yeah. I've left <laughs> skin and vomit in all of them, bud. <laughs> yeah, well, we share some DNA that we've uh, <laughs> blood, <laughs> teeth, uh, and everything else scattered all over that place. I would say probably I got to go. I mean, with the the best of them all, Shore Club. Oh, bless your heart for that one. I dig it. I dig it. Area down there is so cool, man. Oh, dude, just... I lived in PB like two different, three different times. I lived in Mission Beach in three different places, brother. Oh, it was glorious. Ivy. That's probably why I got in so much trouble in the teams, I think, dude. But that's a whole nother <laughs> nah. show. All right, Wizard. Did Oswald act alone? Trippies. Oh, no. No, definitely not. <laughs> See, nobody <laughs> believes the storyline. No, nobody No does. one. Nobody. Well, they go and tell you they release like ninety five. Yeah, what happened with that info? And it's like, what about the other five percent that's actually interesting? Oh, that ain't coming out. That ain't coming out. Did you hear about it? Because I remember they were talking about bringing all that out. What whatever happened with that? You don't see it on the news anymore. So was it boring? It was. They did. They redacted all the cool shit. Still? Yeah. They were like, what for another? They're like, really released everything, but the cool stuff. (laughs) Yeah. No, they didn't bring it all out. That means the government was involved. Totally. What's your what's your power animal? That's pretty damning Uh, of itself. What's your power? Crazy, uh, you know, power animal. uh, I would say, I mean, not making this up, but like I did this kind of visualization thing, whatever, and it was like I don't even know. It's kind of weird. I was like drowning. I got lifted up by this frog, you know, and it's weird. Now I got all these frog buddies. Yeah, (laughs) there are worse (laughs) friends to have. Not many, but there are worse friends to have. Not that many, no. They're, yeah, it's uh, it's probably way more unhealthy than it is healthy. <laughs> that is, you know that's the truth, too. You know right. it. All right, Marcus, final question. All right, where's your favorite place to relax? Ooh, um, uh, this is a, a new answer as of probably three weeks ago. But um, I would say the um, bottom of the Beer Reef, about 45 feet down. Wow, you just started diving or you just yeah. went to the Great Barrier Reef? I just did my first six dives um, in Australia a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, oh, so, you awesome. know, when I'm welcome to the club. Kind of as a segue, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit too, probably, but you know, with like I've always said with like the mountaineering for me, it's like, you know, 99% sucks and 1% beautiful. And that 1% that's beautiful mm. is, is, is absolutely beautiful. So it's worth it. But it's like, this was the exact opposite of that. <laughs> you know, it's like hmm. 99.9% beautiful. I, I didn't even, I haven't figured out fins yet. So, um, you know, my uh, buddies were just kind of towing me around and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I didn't actually have to put out any work and I'm sitting here seeing one of the most beautiful places in the world. So, Oh, that's so cool, dude. Yeah. Very cool. Well, this is a perfect, this is a, this is a perfect way place to pivot then. And, and and really drill down into why people are coming here and and Kyle again man thank you so much I know you're super slammed and busy I just uh, I really appreciate we all do if you're yeah. making the time to come on at, with us but people come to our show because they know we're gonna bring on people that have a perspective 
that really is applicable, that, that they've been out there, they've tested the mentality, they've tested the psychology of what's gotten them through, whether one hard or their whole lives, these trying periods they fa- in facing adversity and to really combat the negative insurgency in their minds and in their external lives. So without further ado, Kyle, would you please share your greatest never quit story or stories with our listeners? Yeah, I'm going to, I think, take the liberty of two, two separate stories that kind of in the same context. Um, the first was probably the earliest, like, never quit story um, and probably the most formative, definitely the most formative, I think. And it was this incredibly frustratingly, like, insanely frustrating green sugar jar that my grandma had on her countertop and my grandma, you know, she's like any good grandma from Tifton, Georgia. She loved to, uh, to cook and I love to go and cook with her. And so she would always ask me to, to help her and, you know, to give people, I think you probably maybe had, have done this already at this point, but to kind of paint a visual, you know, for people kind of my arms end at the elbows, my legs into the knees, mm-hmm. you know, so my arms, when I pick something up, you know, I, pick up my coffee cup, for instance, my arms kind of come together to grab it at a point. Mm -hmm. The tricky part with this sugar jar was that I could only fit one arm inside at a time. And the sugar scooper inside here was was pretty deep inside. So for, you know, three, four years old, and I would would spend what would feel like hours at this stupid freaking thing trying to pull the sugar out. And, uh, and so just so I could go and like scoop it in and spill it all over or wow. you know, whatever I was trying to do with it. And, um, you know, that started, uh, you know, kind of there and there's so many other million other kind of cool stories like that my family helped with, but, you know, fast forward to closer to present day, um, the best and worst day of my life. And, I'm on Mount Aconcagua in South America. So it's um, nearly 23,000 feet of elevation at the summit, 22,800 feet. Wow. So it's the highest peak in the world outside of the Himalaya. And on that summit day, it was just like, like brutally tough day. I knew it was going to be brutally tough, but just had to put out, you know, psychologically it was tough. There was a, American climber in the group 24 hours ahead of us that had um, collapsed over and died, hit his head, had a stroke, and um, oh, wow. you know, died due to the altitude. And um, hmm. I felt like I wasn't far behind him. And my body was just in shutdown mode, had, you know, could only drink maybe, you know, half a protein shake was about the most calories I had. Had half a protein bar and like dropped the other half in the dirt. And I just, was just so exhausted. And when I'm bear crawling and I'm hiking, so I've got custom carbon fiber shoes and custom crampons and kind of all connected to a climber's harness and I'm down on all fours. And my guide and instructor that whole day was behind me just like cheering. And he was like, up, Kyle, up, keep climbing, keep climbing, you know, just repeatedly. Yeah. Awesome. Argentinian guy. Awesome hmm. for the first six hours. And then I'm like, bro, I'm good. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> Shut your sock. Change, change the record. <laughs> exactly. It, imagine the intensity that you brought in that intro for six hours, right? And then I'm like, all right. And 
I can imagine that. They tell yeah, me so all the time to shut up, <laughs> so I I'm used it. to it. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> now I get it. I'm, I'm connected in the dots here. But the so kind of to bring it a little closer to home for for you guys, as I mentioned a little bit earlier before we went on the air. Um, you know, my one of my best friends. Um, he got out of the teams in July, and so you can say his name now, Jeff Gum amazing like you know hero of mine i mean he had been through some stuff too i mean he was i think the first ever team guy that got diagnosed with rhabdo while he was going through buds wow and um you know and, and he basically got performance dropped on his first run through and then in 270 and um fought wouldn't wouldn't quit to give up you know wouldn't take off the uh the dress blues you know and um Got back in 2001, nearly got performance dropped again. Still had rhabdo. They didn't know what it was, but finally went to medical, got it diagnosed, and then, um, you know, had the chance to come back through to 272. And he said then, you know, he was like, would imagine, like, you know, imagine, he told me, imagine Marcus, you know, he was like, you know, being, if he's surrounded by Taliban, is he going to stop? Is he going to give up? Is he going to quit? No, he's going to freaking fight. He's going to do whatever he had, like, every single, you know, as long as he's got air in his lungs. And, Master Chief Guile, I don't know if he was around when you guys were Are around. you kidding me? Will? <laughs> are, are you kidding me? He is, man, oh. dude, he is a legend so, for us even too, man. Man, yeah, he, you know, so talk about random small world experiences. Like, you know, I'm sitting here on this mountain suffering, like, and it was Will Guile's message pops into my head from what Jeff had taught me. And basically what happened was, so, you know, he started that summit morning push at 6 a.m., I had to hit the summit by 4 p.m., and I wasn't moving fast enough. And so my friends were told that they, around 1 o'clock, my friends were told that they had to split off and go to the summit without me. So basically, you know, from 1 o'clock to around 2.30, 3 o'clock, I was just feeling sorry for myself. You know, like I'm a couple hundred feet from the summit, spent 17 days on here. I've been sleeping in this freaking altitude bubble trying to get to the spot and, like, you know, this is like, this sucks, you know, like all, all these thoughts going through my head. I'm like, no, nah, I can still make it, whatever. And I was like, had a moment, you know, this guy yelling behind me, up, 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 keep climbing, Kyle, keep climbing. You know, I wanted to stab my ice bike into his shoe. I'm like, <laughs> thought of, I can't hear you real good. Come over here. I'm a little closer. <laughs> what was that? Bring it in, bring it in. <laughs> so, you know, Master Chief Guild used to say, you talk about the monkey mind. Yeah. And, you know, you'd have like, you know, this thought pop into your head and he'd say, you know, sometimes it's a crazy thought. And he's like, you are not that thought. Those first thought that pops in your head, like you can't control, you know, it's just part of being a human being. Like those first thoughts that pop in your head, you can't control. He said who you really are, the thoughts about the thought. Amen. So that's who you really are. And, you know, I was like, basically right now is like, if I spend a single calorie on a positive or negative thought, then it might be the difference between making this or not. I was like, none of those thoughts matter. And the coolest realization that I had was like, you know what, if I'm going to go anywhere, I have to deal with this three feet in front of me. And then when I'm down in all fours, bear crawling, then like, that's my view is like blocks out, you know, my ski goggles kind of block out like around three feet and just focused on that. And I just put my head down. And anytime my thoughts would wander off, I was like, nope, like this three feet is the only three feet I got to deal with. And there'd be another three hmm. feet and then another three feet. And all of a sudden, I just kind of turned into this game. I was like, you know, I've never been so tired that I can't go another three feet. So I just did that. And my guy wow. told me to stop. 
look up where you're at. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. Now I'm like 15 minutes away from the summit. And oh, my God. I, Puts things into perspective when you got to go down to that low range. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to yep. reach out and draw a line. And I'm going to crawl to that until everything gets better. And if it's not better, I'll just draw another line and go to it. You know, and, uh, it puts everything into perspective. Yeah, man. I tell you what it eliminates, though. It eliminates. You kind of forget about distance. And if, there is, if the end game is right there in front of you, then you kind of, I don't know, it lets you see the outcome a little ahead of time. Even if, mm. if the line is right before a big drop, you're like, I, I can't look down the drop yet. I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to worry about getting to that that three feet, right, in the next line. So what, what, what happened next, Kyle? I mean, there you are, 15 minutes. Did you get overwhelmed with this drive, this new energy? What happened then? I was pretty tired still. <laughs> but I was like, I was just still... <laughs> I'm still only, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not like, going to you know, shit you, Rod, but I was ready yeah. to quit still, no. but. <laughs> at, at, you know, at that moment, you know, it's like, kind of like I've, you know, I, I remember I was just talking to, to, to Jeff about this two days ago, actually. And he was like, the moment that like that 272 class that he went through was, you know, when Hellwick was secured. And he was like, they went and did some kind of, uh, you know, it was like one kind of last minute surf torture thing. Like, you're going to be out here all day. And then they're like you know, hit the berm. And then, you know, that was it. And, um, you know, but he was like, when they were telling him, like, you're going to be out here all day, he knows at that point, like, there's at least only a couple hours left. It's like, nothing you can do to me. He said, he was like, you could start stabbing me with swords right now. And I'm not going to stop. Totally. You know, so it's like, at that point, too, is kind of where I felt it was like, you know, that 15 minutes was just kind of that victory lap up top got up there. And, you know, the summit was, you know, maybe the size of, of like a large, living room and you know i mean you could see on one side the coast in into chile you know and it was and then deep in argentina where the highest peak in the andes mountains it was breathtakingly beautiful a friend of mine who's got the most you know one of the most amazing like survival stories just uh, of all time in the civilian world at least was nano prado you know yeah the Live, like he was like that incident happened like i could see it from where we were you know on the summit and like it's just crazy kind of all those things coming together and like and my favorite you know you mentioned bucket list like it wasn't on my bucket list before but my favorite bucket list thing that we did was after that like i can't go to the bathroom with all my gear on so i have to like strip down and and <laughs> i saw so i was naked on the summit for a minute and uh <laughs> that's awesome so you know i'm like at that point, we were probably like ten of us on the summit were the like, highest people in the world. I mean, it was outside the climbing window of the Himalaya climbing season, so like in all likelihood, I was definitely the highest naked person on the planet. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's up? oh, I huh. love it, man! I love it, dude. I, I, you know, everybody else just climbs to the top. We gotta do something. Yeah, we're gonna get yeah, naked. Gotta, yeah, yeah totally. get naked. <laughs> I ain't done that. Now, did everybody get naked or just you? <laughs> No, 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 I think we should have. So maybe we'll have to go back. But <laughs> exactly. All right. So when you're up there and and you're and you're the highest naked person in the world, but more so that you've just endured something that is, you know, it's. I I don't even know how you been begin to quantify the difficulty versus a person who's standing upright on two healthy, strong legs. But as you've you've gone through that, you've 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 gone through this incredible feat of accomplishment as you juxtapose it to that three-year-old boy trying to scoop sugar out. What happens in that moment mentally? 
for you in terms of your trajectory in life, your perspective, and, and what the meaning of life becomes for you. You know, I can sum it up with, with a couple things that happen, you know, those, those kind of weird, spooky, serendipitous moments that happen, you know, where, where Marcus kind of took it a minute ago. I mean, I'll take it there. Like it was uh, to build a little bit more context, like, you know, my grandma who I told had that um, story with, uh, you know, with the sugar jar. She battled a brain tumor for a year and a half and then died from it, you know, and, and it was. Wow. Watching her do that, you know, it was really like, it was, I knew she was going to pass, but it was like when she did, it just really changed things and put things in perspective of like, man, like what, what is this really about? You know, in this time that I got here and, um, you know, my first Mm -hmm. frog band buddy that I, that I made actually died of the same brain tumor, you know, too soon. Richard Mackowitz. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah. Awesome guy. Amazing guy. Amazing guy. You know? Never quit, man. I love that. Yeah, dude. That's right, man. Not yeah. dead, can't quit. Not dead, <laughs> you know? can't quit. Man, you know, and it was I like a brochure from his funeral the other day. It's funny you should bring him up, man. Like did a couple you really? days ago. I thumbed through my desk, man. I put it in a one of my old books. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh Mac, boy. Yeah, uh, crazy dude, mm-hmm. man. He, he was crazy. Yeah. He, was, <laughs> he was like 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 rut crazy on steroids. I don't even understand it. <laughs> no, he's bigger than life, man. He was an inspiration for me when I got out and started doing all this because he just brought that energy, that zest for yeah, life. And he, and he did it and it wasn't an act for TV. It wasn't that. No, that's, no, that's him. Was. We had more intense, you know, I did his radio show actually with him one time and like we had more intense conversations like in between the commercial breaks and then even on the air and it was like, <laughs> This is just him, man. This is just he just sends it, you know. It's like yeah. that's it. So and tell like, me about your your grandmother dies. Is this yeah, as you you're know, preparing, as you're getting ready? Did it happen while you were there? No, but it was right around the time where I was just like, I was just you know kind of coasted. And I was just kind of comfortable. It was kind of just you know like it was trying to figure stuff out. You know, I was doing a lot of speeches and which I love. I love speaking to groups and stuff like, yeah, you know, but I was like, I know there's something bigger out here that I'm supposed to do kind of, you know, the, like then just spend my life in a freaking airplane. And ah, it was like all of this stuff I'm questioning. I'm like, I could see myself, you know, on, on that bed when she first, when she first got diagnosed with the brain tumor, I, I found out about it knew about it she had a like kind of a surprise surgery came up on her and like crazy story but like make a very longer longer story short like i was gone traveling i was in san diego i started dating a girl out in san diego came back to atlanta for like a weekend conference and then um the girl was dating she came out and surprised me at the end of this and um and then um that next morning we went in and my my mom was like, I didn't want to tell you, but your grandma was having an emergency brain surgery in the morning. You know, I didn't want to tell you where you're at this conference. And, and so I took, uh, me and the girl, Lauren, and you know, it was my grandpa, my mom, me and Lauren sitting in the pre-op room with my grandma. And it was like the most special morning I ever had with her and just laughing, joking, crying. I knew, and she came out of the surgery that first went okay. And it was, you know, probably a year and a half from that point that she passed, but it was like, you know, or that night was the night that I moved to San Diego and I went like, I was like, I had to go and drive Lauren back to the airport and I was like, screw it. 
like, why am I here in Atlanta right now? Like, you know, I can come back and spend time with my grandma while she's going through this. But like, you know, I just had a lot of like, you know, reasons that I thought mattered, you know, that I, I've owned a CrossFit gym in Atlanta for nine years. I was like, you know, but that's kind of running itself now. Like I've got a house here, like my friends here, but like, why, why am I staying here? I was like, screw it. I went and booked a one-way ticket and I went upstairs like 4.50 PM. I packed a duffel at 5 PM and by 5.10, I was driving mm. to the airport and moved. That's you know? awesome. I love oh, that. I wow. love that. One of, one of the things that I, I just can't get out of my mind though, because you're talking about finding purpose, right? And, and for, for you, Kyle, when I go back and I, you know, obviously we go back and we, we try and find out as much about, we listen to all the stories, the ESPY award and everything. And yeah, you know, nice work on that, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Climbing <laughs> Kilimanjaro and, and yeah. that award, but you've been doing this your whole life with wrestling, with CrossFit, with, 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 with jujitsu, man, you, you, there is a, a deeper purpose. What was, was, was part of that moment when you're when you're trying to get the sugar out what was your grandmother saying to you that 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 seeded in you to say there is a bigger purpose there's a reason why I'm born this way and it was it was like there and I, re I remember too in the grocery stores we'd have these bigger life philosophical conversations you know and she said um, she said you know Kyle I I would ask her, I was like, Grandma, like, why did this happen to me? You know, I'd be four years old and like asking her that. And she was like, I don't, I don't think God makes mistakes. Like, I think you'll find out someday for, you know, mom, you know, happened for a reason. And like, hmm. she was like, she would always say, she said, when people hear your voice, they see your face, they shake your hand, they'll forget about the disability. Well, they'll go and fade away. And that's what we would go and do. We'd just practice shaking people's hands in the grocery store. Like, if you were standing in the aisle of the grocery store, like, you would become our target. And she'd, push the card up next to you and she'd introduce herself and she'd say, hi, my name's Betty. This is my grandson, Kyle. And I'd reach out and I'd shake their hand. And, wow, you know, it's like, it was that, they call it like, it was not just her, but my whole family kind of, you know, there's like the Jedi mind trick, you know, it was like, you're not <laughs> disabled. Like, okay, cool. Not, not disabled. Like it just, it give you like as, as kind of a, as a big of a deal as that was like my sister, I've got three younger sisters, all awesome girls. And they were born totally typical, you know, from a, you know, arm and leg perspective and all that but like my youngest sister so she's nine years younger than me and uh, this is when she was like a freshman or sophomore in high school and she came home from school one day and she told my mom she was like mom mom there's a guy without an arm at school and um you know she's asking like i wonder how he does this when he does that and uh, my mom was like, well, you, like, you do realize like your brother doesn't have like arms or legs. <laughs> she was like, whoa, I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So you're just, you know, yeah. It was just normal. Yeah. It was just like, that was the thing, you know, they didn't make a big deal about it. And so it didn't become a big deal. So, hmm. but to kind of tie it all together and, you know, in those crazy kind of serendipitous way where it was like weird, like, so you know, she passed and it, you know, it's kind of sent me in this search. Like I went to Aconcagua in that mountain. I didn't, you know, we, we didn't have a big crew. We had six of us and like two of them were local Argentinians. And then like my three buddies in, and Kilimanjaro it was the exact opposite. It was like, we had nine Americans. We had 35, um, African porters, you know, we had wow. like a, you know, deal with ESPN to help kind of film it beforehand. And they were like, you know, I had to, the foot the bill to go and film it like they're like you know if we don't get usable footage if you fail on the first day you know then like sorry like you're out of luck 
so I'm like, all right, cool, you know, and did it. But you know, it's just like this bigger kind of thing, and with the cameras and all that stuff, like it. I don't know. It was, it was just different, right? And in Aconcagua, we just like all we did was like post on Facebook like the night before we leave, like, hey, we're going to do this mountain, and uh, land. Kind of on the way, the Argentinian government had heard about it. They're like, we want to make this like this a special honorary thing, you know, for we're opening up the park to people with disabilities, all this stuff. And like, um, you know, we want to have you be like our first honorary member, you know, to, you know, disabled person to go climb this. And like, I'm like, oh man, like, you know, that feels really cool, but I know this is a dangerous mountain, you know, it's got a lot of pressure. I don't want to screw it up for everybody else. And uh, on the way to that meeting to go meet with these like ministers of tourism, I see this you know, amputee who's on the street and he was panhandling. He was a little bit older than maybe my age, maybe you're too older or something. He just looked at me and was like, said maestro, which means like teacher yeah. in Spanish. And I was like, just started crying, man. I was like, just wow. hit me. And I was like, you know, when I'm sitting on my tent on the fourth night, feeling like I'm definitely not supposed to be here. Just had a watermelon sized boulder shoot past my head at 60 miles an hour. Like, why am I here? You know, I thought about that and randomly, super randomly on a really, really tough day, like three or four days before we hit the summit, my guide, um, Guillermo, makes this big deal about carrying my snack. He's like, I've got your snack. I've got your snack because um, our group had kind of split into two groups to carry loads at that point. And I'm like, okay, cool. You got my snack. And the snack that he goes and pulls out was a freaking snack that Grandma Betty used to carry in her purse for like- No way! And I was like- the summit day that we had was that what they said, the most beautiful summit day that they've ever had in like 20 years of guiding. Wow. And, and everyone on the, the other guys were like, Oh, you're lucky. Cause you're climbing, you know, like to their clients are saying like, you're lucky. Cause you're climbing with Kyle. I was like, no, you're lucky. Cause grandma Betty's up there doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Grandma <laughs> Betty. I love it. Turn on the weather real fast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like mass chief Kyle used to, well, it, what's interesting to me is, is, you know, you're out there. You are the maestro. You are teaching so many people so many things. But what I'm hearing is you're still evolving yourself. You're still on the journey of discovery. For our listeners, you know, one of the things is just getting started is, is a challenge what are what are some of the things that you every day you wake up that you think about just to propel you into this life of discovery? Mm. Uh, right now, you know, the thing I, I love most and I feel most happy about really is just like learning new stuff in a totally different world. Like um, my biggest goal and dream is to like direct like feature films. Really? You know, like, oh, I, that's yeah, awesome. I bought a camera in January and I was like started shooting there and like had no idea what like shutter speed or aperture or any of the technicalities of it were. And like this last year has been this like relentless obsessive pursuit of like filming, shooting everything and like editing it, color correcting it, the whole bit, trying to learn every bit of the process. And like 99% of it I haven't put out yet, but like 2018 was kind of the year I'm like, all right, like this time to start putting stuff out. Like, hmm. you know, it's been so stuff like that, you know, just like realizing like, I guess the, the change now in the perspective is thinking like, you know, for instance, like uh, photography, 
if I'm going to get decent at photography, then I got to take 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 really, really crappy photos. And then I'll get to go and take a good one. <laughs> yeah. Like just cause I've done other stuff before. It doesn't entitle me to like automatically become a good photographer. No, like I like realize, okay, I'm going to be really, really bad. The first photos I took were like so overexposed camera autofocus. Cause I just, I didn't know how to like drop the shutter speed. It was like, um, that kind of stuff was uh, was just, you know, just like the idea that anything I go and do, I'm going to have to be really bad at it first and then I'll get better. And that's and that's cool. And it's like in that process, like I actually really enjoy that point in time in which I'm sucking at something because that means like I can go and learn from it. And like there's, you know, as long as I'm alive, there's a million other things that I could go in and I want to learn and want to do is you know, the only thing that makes me bummed is that there's just not enough time to go and do all of it. Sure, yeah, a lot of people waste <clears throat> waste time trying to master one thing. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong; if something engulfs you, and you know it's your true purpose, your true calling, then absolutely spend a, as much time as you can learning it. And then, my dad would say all the time, "Man, it's it's you don't kind of get good as at as much things as you possibly can, and that'll open up the door for 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 more things. And the more you learn, yeah. the more comes down your pipe. And to be to be good." You know, kind of the master basics. That's what we do in the SEAL teams, man. We master the basics. A black belt in martial arts is just a master of the basics. And once you get that fundamental score on not only yourself, but on the on the things that you try to do, the adventures that you go on, man, that just kind of adds to your war chest. That's on that in, the, what we talk about is the values on the inside, not on the outside. Anything you can take off or can get pulled away from you is not a value to you, man. It's, it's existential. Yep. So, yep. Totally. And that's where... Like, you know, for instance, people are like, oh, you know, what's your next mountain? I'm like, I tell them like photography because, <laughs> you know, I want to go in like, you know, it's like the nonlinear things. It's kind of the non-obvious. It's like the, um, you know, that special, like my nightmare is like specialization. My nightmare are like advanced college degrees, you know, but I can teach myself biochemistry and right. I can be 80% of proficient as someone who's a PhD, you know, and I, I you know, believe kind of have like a, that was one of my first beginners when i got into the whole crossfit world and all that it was like you know just teaching myself that like it would go and give me an edge like i could go and teach myself you know nutrition or things like that you know uh, but you could just teach yourselves anything and probably a lot of it started for me as like an insecurity to be honest because my friends were in college and i was 19 years old and life changed very dramatically getting to launch a book on Oprah and Larry King at 19. and Yeah, tell us you know, about that. Tell us about that shift in your perspective. I was just like, I was crazy. It was a full-time college student and then went to be a full-time business traveler. And I'm like standing on stage with senators or, you know, future presidents and like uh, actors, actresses, and, you know, Olympic athletes. And I'm like, why am, why am I here? Like, I'm just a freaking high school wrestler, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, but here's the deal, man. They were actually standing on stage with you. So it's just <laughs> the accomplishments that you have that people look at you in the same way you're kind of trying to, to, to uh, identify them. And that just goes to your character. You're a humble guy, man. You're playing the hand that, you're, that you've been dealt and doing a great job of it. So. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just well, thought you should. No, man, that. no. I appreciate that. And now, after getting to know more politicians, then I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that. Oh, I love it. He comes off the top rope. I dig it. I dig it. All right. But yeah, so, it, you know, that's just a crazy period. But for instance, like, you know, to kind of tie it together, kind of what Mark was, was saying too, like, with like specialization, like, there is a price to it. People don't understand the trade off to it. People don't understand that, like, when you specialize in something, you have to go and, like, 
like spend, you know, like hundreds or thousands of hours for each like percentage point that you're going to go and gain. Mm. When you first start doing something, you know, you learn a lot, like a ton, right? Maybe. So, you know, say like, you know, if you want to go and learn how to, you know, shoot a gun, for instance, or something like that, or you want to go and learn how to paint, you know, the first time you pick up a paintbrush, the first time you pick up an AR, like, you're going to like learn probably 30, 40, 50% of what there is to learn that first day. Mm. Right. Think about that one day and you learn 50% of something like, as Mm. opposed to like years and years and years and years to go and specialize to get to the point where it's like, Oh yeah. And I can go and, you know, like shoot this one inch group at 300 yards. Well, congrats. You know, it's like, (laughs) cool. Totally. You know, how, how many other things did you not learn when you could go and, you know, do other stuff? Like for me, like the scuba diving stuff now, like, I get so much more juice out of that than I do like mountaineering even to be honest. I'd, like, cause like the mountaineering thing, we've gotten to do a lot of high mountains. Now there aren't that many others that, you know, that, that would be more challenging than what we did. And not that I won't go and do, you know, I want to do others, but you know, every mountain I go and do now just tries harder and harder to kill you with things that are out of your control. It's like, you know, I want to go wreck dive. I want to go and see, you know, explore a whole other world there. Well, there, that's, there that's, is a whole nother world there, man. Oh man, for Going sure. The right track. Well, all right. So you've, you've gone through this transition now and it seems like you're, what is your ultimate, you know, I, I heard you make one statement where, you know, your ultimate purpose is to help other people find their purpose. That is, that is not an easy thing to do at all. I mean, one of the greatest challenges in our lives is to figure out what our purpose is. And then through that process, through those trials and error, through those fears, through those failures, through that pain, we ultimately discover perhaps not the initial purpose, but something else is our driver for a particular period of time. How do you do that? Do you, aside from being in front of an audience, when you see somebody that you gravitate towards, towards a friend that is searching, what are you going to do to help them find purpose? I think the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, is really to realize that it's, it's something that you, you create for yourself. It's not just going to like find you, you know, I mean, to some degree, like, like you mentioned, when you start on that path, that's when stuff, you know, the weird stuff and opportunities go and show up that like wouldn't have been there before, you know, that, um, for instance, like Kilimanjaro, like when we were already a similar team, we're moving, you know, had our flights booked to go to the mountain. I met the mother of a, of a soldier, Corey Johnson. He was, um, I, you know, he was in, um, he was deployed in the Middle East in 2011 and he was, um, you know, he was in a, in a bad firefight and ended up being killed in combat and he had three little girls his um, his wife was pregnant with their third daughter when he went on that last deployment. I met his mom in a gym in Arizona when she asked me, she said, you know, we've been having a hard time deciding what to do with Corey's remains. And she said, would you consider taking my son's ashes up Kilimanjaro and leaving him on the summit? Cause he always wow. talked about mountaineering and, you know, love that. And like he would, you know, he would have loved to be there. So like that became my purpose on that trip. You know, it was like, I didn't know though, until we assembled the team and we had our flights book, we're doing it. You know, I had other purposes. Like it's purposes, like a, there's a whole web of interconnected purposes that link up that are not just one single isolated thing. It's, and sometimes you just don't know until you go and you do it. Like 
to get a little geeky, one of my favorite philosophers, uh, John Paul Sartre, who's Love French him. existentialist. Yeah. So he talked about uh, a paper cutter, you know, and a very simple metaphor is like, you know, if you're going to go and build a paper cutter, then, um, you know, you know, the essence of the paper cutter is to go and cut paper. So when you go set out to go and build it, then the essence like, you know, predates the existence. And with a human being, you're born into the world, and then it's like, all right, cool, now I'll go figure it out. You know, and it's like <laughs> the existence precedes the essence. So the essence, you got to come up with, like, kind of yourself, and like, you know, and part of it is the, the people you surround yourself with. Part of it is, you know, the, you know, kind of meaning that you you draw from where you are, and you know, kind of this time and place, and the things that are going on. But like, instead of just realizing that, like, it's going to go and, you know wait for purpose to go and slap you in the face. Like you got to go and seek it. I think that's a great response. I, I, I often people, you know, they, they, they say, well, you know, Rod or, or Marcus or, or wizard, you know, it was easy for you guys were seals. You knew what your purpose was, was the mission you understand. But all of us, you know, if you would have asked us in the heyday of our careers, you know, is your, is that your ultimate purpose? You know, we probably would have said, yeah, this is it. But look at us now in our 40s. Well, the wizard ain't there. But, you know, Marcus and I, and we're podcasters, man. Mm. We're podcasters now. And so purpose, as you say, and the essence of your existence does evolve. It does change. How do you instill confidence in people to know that? That it's to push them and say, hey, Go do this. Give it a shot. And when it, when they come back to you and say, Kyle, where where do I start? What do you tell them? Well, I think I'd, I mean, I think just in the interest of authenticity, I'd probably start with like, look, man, like here, here are the times that I've, I've kind of not had it figured out. Here are the times that I was kind of struggling with this myself and wondering like, what the heck am I doing? You know, mm-hmm. um, probably kind of in those moments though, too, it's like, just asking those questions alone leads you to generally speaking, like if you're willing to go there and you're willing to go and look, then kind of can lead you to something, you know, bigger, you know, and it's, it doesn't like, it just changes over time. I think a lot of times like pro athletes or someone that like, you know, transitions out of the seal teams, like one of the things that they struggle with the most is like, okay, what's, what's next, you know, are my greatest years behind me? Yeah. You know, is it all in the past? Like a group that I've become very close with the founder, um, Joe Musselman, who founded the Honor Foundation. And, you know, he was basically, he went through buds, went, had a bad back injury. I think he did a couple of years in the fleet somehow. And, um, you know, he had like, it was just in a conversation with like a 30 year master chief and was like saying, the guy's saying, you know, yeah, I don't really know what I want to do next. And he's like, holy cow, like, you know, this guy was like the epitome of like somebody I thought had it all figured out and like, he doesn't know. So, Mm. you know, it's like, we kind of, kind of just got to go and feel it out there and and figure out there's different chapters, different, different reasons, you know, it, for me as a kid, for instance, like I, I wanted to go into the military. I was dragging Marine, Army, Navy recruiters into my wrestling matches, letting them try to go and say, like, hey, man, I can do this. You know, I can I can go. And they're like, tell me, you could be a chaplain. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but is he to get a gun? Like, <laughs> you know, I want to go and jump out of planes <laughs> after bad guys. And, you know, then like that, that purpose shifted when the first time I went and walked into Walter Reed. And I, you know, I say, I think I learned more about the human spirit in 10 seconds of walking back in Walter Reed, which Walter Reed, if people don't know, 
in addition, it was the hospital I was born at randomly, totally no connection. Wow. Just because my dad was stationed there. But like, it's the hospital now that you know, so many of our men and women have gone through some type of amputation, like they end up doing the rehabilitation there. And the mat C is like the, um, the, uh, the hall where they, they do the, um, a lot of the PT, at least it was at the old Walter Reed. I'm not sure if it's the same name at the new one, but you know, there's like 30 amputees in this room when I went and walked in for the first time and, and saw it. And I was like, Whoa, you know, this is, you know, just these people too had to go and learn a whole new way. I've only known one way my whole life. So now, you know, I think it is a lot easier being physically, maybe emotionally, like a lot of the stuff that I had to deal with was that that younger age in that way. But now, you know, this is a different type of purpose. I didn't get to go and serve with the rifle, so to speak. But, you know, now I get to go and find purpose in a different way. And now, you know, you guys get to go and inspire kind of a whole new generation coming through. Like, without even knowing it, you know, you've inspired, inspired me. And, like, you know, I didn't even know that. Like, I had no idea that Marcus knew who I was. And to be completely honest, I remember seeing um, – Marcus and, and, and his wife, like your name popped up as a donation on, um, we did a fundraiser for the Navy SEAL Foundation. And um, I was like, saw us, like pop up my donation page. I was like, Marcus Luttrell knows who I am. Like, yeah, you know, and I know for him too, it's like, you know, he's just a regular dude that like was in, you know, regular dude, but the team guy standards and crazy situation. And, you know, I, Jeff and I were talking about this the other day. Like I, I, I do have a belief that like if most, um, most SEALs, Maybe not everybody. You know, most SEALs would have probably the capacity to go and, and do what it would take to go and get a, a medal of honor if they're in the right moment, the right time, the right circumstances. Sometimes, you know, it, it just takes that. You know, some guys spend their careers and they don't don't get to go and see any action. And then that they, they compare themselves to the people who do. You know, it's kind of everybody's got something, you know, everybody's got some kind of pers- pers- different perspective. Everybody got some challenge. It, to sum it up, my parents used to say, that, you know, when I was growing up and having a hard time, they'd be like, every person on the planet has a disability, you know, just 99.9% of the time, you can't see it. You know, when people look at me, they could see it. And at 10 years old, when I was crying myself to sleep at night, wishing, dreaming, praying that would give anything to go and wake up and have arms and legs, then I wanted that. And now, truthfully, there's nothing you could do that would give me the chance to go back and do it again with arms and legs. You know, if you're like, oh, cool, you could go invest in Bitcoin four years ago if you, uh, you know, <laughs> had, arms and, uh, had arms and legs. Like, no, no chance. Because, like, this is, it's giving me an access to so many cool things that I wouldn't have otherwise. And frankly, now, a, a thing that you probably wouldn't even realize on surface on the surface level, people are actually probably nicer to me than they are to any of you. No, that's, that's a true. given. People <laughs> treat me like, Shit all the time. <laughs> I believe it. Who's this hairy, tattooed, you know, loud guy? Like, Walk across the street. Totally, <laughs> dude. No, it's, it's tough when, you wear, when you're born with a disability and it's on the outside where everybody else can see it. And you're right. Most everybody does uh, ha- have one in some capacity, but we learn how to hide it. and I hide it well, but if you, if you have one of those that you can't, man, that's how you... Uh, you <laughs> definitely teaches you a perspective you can't get anywhere else. And it's... If that's the hand we were dealt. It gave us the life we, we have a chance to uh, to live, man. And and the best part about ha- not having it all figured out is the best part, not having it figured out. You kind of got an idea of what you want to do. And when you were talking about how do people start, I'm like, all right, if you don't have any idea where to start, 
think about what's your favorite movie, your favorite song, your favorite picture, what you daydream about, and then think about yourself and what you are, what you're not, what you want to be, what you dream about being, and then have an understanding of that and then just point yourself in the right direction because it's out there. There's plenty of opportunities to see what it is you, you, you can become. And that's the best part. When hell, my brother and I had an arrangement, no wife, no kids, just do that team guy life till we were 40, learn anything and everything we could possibly learn up to the age of 40 and then start over. Just like you're starting in kindergarten, but you got all the knowledge you have. People get hurt or they go down or they, they have a bad day or a bad week or a bad year. Well, man, we got a, a lot of years we can do some stuff. Most people, you, you can ask athletes or ask us, like, what do you, do you remember the big wins? And most of them don't, right? It's the losses that you All the, the losses. Yeah, the losses, because that's when it pulls everybody together and you're suffering through that uh, pain. Pain and discomfort and then. The knowledge you, you you take from that is is far more valuable than you do from a win, man. Because you ultimately haven't been tested hard enough, and uh, it's that capacity to always want to be tested. It's not that I don't have it figured out, man. It's just I want to go do something else. And totally. you know, your your body kind of drives you in that direction. <laughs> you, you said it. You shoot a gun. You learn everything. You, you you probably need to learn about it in about thirty minutes, right? You, it's mastering the basics. There's multiple different weapon systems out there that you can now go on to. And then once you harness your ability with each weapon system, then you want to see what you can do with it, what you can outdo each one of those weapons because that's basically an extension of yourself. And uh, you use those as tools and catalysts to propel you in, in directions that you, you normally wouldn't go because you couldn't see it. And it's, it is wide open. It is as plain as the, the nose on our faces, man, but it gets hidden by the, the, the light from the uh, from the star we're chasing at that particular moment, is, i.e., when we were seals, we were podcasters. If you had told us that, it probably got slapped. I, I thought it was a derogatory term. Even the thought in your head, you get slapped. You totally yeah. slap yourself. Totally. Full time frog man. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, and there's a big discussion on that in the community too. You know, and actually, you know, I I, I stand in the the perspective of like, look, like I I do I I. Don't, I have a huge problem with people that do go and like profiteer off of it that don't really have anything to go and say. But at the same time, you know, it's so necessary to go and share the stories that that are there that like do inspire, you know, and inspire that next generation. Um, like completely honest, at ten years old, it got really bad for me. Like at the point where I was ready to end it, you know, wow. I didn't want to go. Ten years old, like crazy. A ten year old can go and have that like kind of thought because I didn't see any hope for my future. But you know, the one the thing that like that mattered to me more than anything else. And I, I don't think I've ever really like shared this publicly, but like I've got a, a tattoo of my um, family crest on my back. I'm kind of, um, it was like, the, like mm -hmm. kind of Keith clan. My dad was um, adopted growing up. So Maynard was um, my, like adopted last name and you know, our bloodline, you know, is my dad's grandma, my great grandma I'd kind of traced the family lineage back. And you know, and I would hear these stories about like our ancestors fighting beside Wallace that's awesome. And I knew, like, just because I knew my ancestors were badasses, that's what kept me going. You know, and I would, I remember Braveheart probably mm. saved my life. I was, ten, I was maybe nine years old when it came out. You wow. know, my parents probably ten or eleven. They probably shouldn't have let me watch that, but they did. You know, and like, <laughs> and, you know, that movie probably saved my life. And it was like, it's been probably the most important thing to me now. You know, it, it, like just that that's kind of like also too going into the whole idea of like wanting to go into like filmmaking like i want to go in and, and see what could i go and do down that path that could go in and plant those create, seeds yeah the next exactly plant those seeds like hmm. as crazy as it sounds how does isis recruit people video you know yep. like social media 
it's the way of the world right now. So it's like, you know, we got to go and take it to the front on multiple different levels. You know, it's not just the, the linear things of the way that things mm. have been done before. No, our powerful medium, our country, our people, we've, we've been, re- we, we recruit each other into everything through, through media. I mean, the Navy commercials, army commercials, the songs that they sing, all of that is by design to capture your attention, to get you looking, uh, in that direction. So it's, I mean, Matt, the boys at range 15, man, there's a line in, in that movie that they're, you know, that flamboyant guy comes in shooting the weapon and screaming and he's got the hair dyed. And, uh, he's like, man, God, I hate guys like that. Awesome. In the military. He's like, man, that's the guys like that are the reason I joined. And it, it is, it's true, man. We, you know, all them, those guys that just go Rambo. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what gets us in there. And then we, when we get in there, you're like, don't talk about it. Don't say you're a seal. It's that it's funny how that works. Right. And then when you get out, we can wear a shirt with a trident on it and uh, yeah. you know, get that the hat. hat and all that, right? um, well, I, I think one of the amazing things is Kyle and what you're, I think because, and, and thank God you, 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 you did have brave heart, right? And thank God you did start wrestling. Thank God all these other hurdles that you've gone to now to recognize the power of what storytelling is. And I, I believe that uh, every person is responsible for planting speeds, seeds in some capacity. Now, certain people like you have been given a, a gift. You've been blessed with the ability to push through a lot of predisposition of judgment and whatever, and you can get people treat you nicer. So you have a direct conduit to their yep. emotional availability to start telling them great stories. All right. Well, Kyle, I normally, we, we come out, we wrap up by asking, you know, our guests to give some piece of wisdom to our listeners, but more importantly, what I I'd love for you to do is, is just share what's next for you on your journey. Because I think, you know, just how, what you choose to do is, is example enough for people to gravitate towards those missions as, as a spark, for them to set forth on their journey you know a big thing on the horizon right now is kind of for me just trying to you know find a way to go and tell stories through that visual medium your main thing is like before any studio is going to go and be like all right cool here's a 50 million dollars go make this movie you know it's going to be like i just want to relentlessly kind of make a lot of content just teaching stuff and like you know kind of a just very similar to what we've been having here more in just like a visual medium. So like YouTube, whatever, you know, kind of the main YouTube influences. If you look at like that Logan Paul, Jake Paul, like yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I give them some slack cause like they're wrestlers, you know, and I know that, you know, they're killing it. They're making millions of dollars. They're young kids. Like they're, you know, they're doing it. But like at the same time, it's like this, you know, super freaking goofy, like just ridiculous, like kind of kind of stuff that like glamorizes like i'll look at my lamborghini and all that stuff and like that's the meaning of life or something like nah <laughs> just you know i don't i don't buy it so kind of want to go and take the fight to that kind of messaging you know i want to go and make content that kind of mercs that kind of attitude you know and awesome. some fun stuff some serious stuff you know and just see what happens just freaking send it this year and see what see what happens but um yeah, that's kind of going on. And then, you know, it, the future is in that unknown. And I'm just excited. Like, it, I've just been kind of obsessively thinking about this em- embracing that not knowing and being cool with it. Like, being realizing that, like, of all big 
discoveries, all big experiences happen once you kind of start with, I don't know. And then, you know, and then every, anything for me, like whenever I started to go and figure out how am I going to go and do a single leg takedown? How am I going to go and do a uh, mountain climb? You know, it was started with, I don't know, comma, but let's figure it out. Figure it out. So, you know, awesome. simple as that. Well, listen, where can people follow you and where can they, you know, get in touch with you? Where can people uh, just jump on board the Kyle Maynard experience? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm like, for someone who has these obsessive goals about like creating content, I'm pretty bad at posting to like Instagram, but that's probably the main one I use the most. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. Hopefully YouTube, but you know, we'll see. It's, yeah, I, I love hearing from people. It's been what's kind of driven me. Um, you know, at the same time, I, I hope everybody realizes like, don't be mad at me if I don't get to respond to every single message, but I do really seriously love getting all that the feedback that I've gotten. And um, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Well, I tell you what, we we can't thank you enough, Kyle. You're you're a definite inspiration to us. Um, having you on has been a, just a wonderful experience. Uh, you really are the real deal, man. And and we just uh, loved having you on. Good luck and God bless. And maybe when whatever you do next, whether it's you release a feature film or Crime Everest, whatever, we'll get you back <laughs> on and we'll talk yep, about that, brother. By. Rock and roll, man. That'd be awesome. 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 We got those prank videos in between <laughs> more marcus will direct those they'll be, be that is a definite and, uh, rabbit hole i'll climb one of those mountains with you and we'll come running down and be like hey, i need help down here <laughs> bears up there there's bears everywhere you found the damn abominable snowman sasquatch stripped his arms off <laughs> awesome all right brother god bless you thank you see you guys Brother, that dude has profound wisdom. And he has profound wisdom because he knows the path of pain, right? He understands infinitely better than so many other people what it takes to master just the basics, like you were saying, to pull a a thing of sugar out of a jar. And and it just took him days, weeks to figure out how to best do that. And what, what blew me away was his grandmother just sat there and let him figure it out to teach him those lessons that got him through that point when he was 10 years old, when he wanted to kill himself, that got him through that first year wrestling when he lost every single match, hmm. that got him through Anacuagua or whatever that mountain's called, where he was like, I'm going to quit. And then all he did was look three feet in front. Man, that's powerful stuff. And I certainly pray and hope that our listeners heard that marcus pressure man it's a hell of a thing right that in any capacity obviously but yeah you're right he has that um well, let's go with perspective first right instead of wisdom we say first 40 years right it's an opinion that's what you got and then you get your perspective after you've been through the good and bad of, of a lot of things and hopefully after a while you get the wisdom when you're in your 70s mm-hmm. someone who has the perspective leading into that wisdom at that age it's it's funny the the pressure that came with being born the way he was, man, catapulted that uh, ahead of his age. Totally, totally. Well, for sure. You know what I mean? It's it's oh, funny yeah. how that works in normal life. The pressure that that we have on ourselves is, I mean, it's kind of dynamic. You can 
you know, I go to school and you, there's a, a pipeline almost. I mean, you can kind of see even even in the end game where you know when you die, don't be buried right here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the uh, the extra the existentials, right? When you're born with something that somebody else doesn't have, whether it's a positive gift or a negative one, because you can switch those throughout life, right? I mean, through education and training, experience, all those perspective, like you're saying. Yeah, and um, when you when you're born with something like that, man, the amount of pressure that's put on you and in a negative way, you know, can cat- catapult him into a frame of mind. Yeah, a frame of mind, a level of, in a frame of mind that's uh, well beyond his age. I think forced on him. What yeah. do you think, Wizard? I was I was pretty amazed by his frame of mind, but for a slightly different reason. I was sitting there thinking about trying to figure out why this was because did you you know you noticed he had this um, the level of respect or praise. I mean, it was almost an elevation of like team guys, you know. And coming from him struck me as so bizarre. Someone who's had to fight so many battles, uh, overcome challenging <clears throat> challenges in his life. It, in my mind, that puts him in, a, in another league completely. Totally. I mean, it, it no, there's no doubt in my mind that he's brought more positivity to this world and his example than we have. For right? sure. That's oh, there's obviously fair to something say. sitting in that brain so, pan of his. He can. Why, you know, why is it like this? And then I, this is my theory, and you tell me what you think about it. He, his perspective being raised by, he, he talks about how his parents, his grandmother, all that influence, he was raised to be normal. And that I think in his perspective, he doesn't see himself as being exception, that exceptional or that different than everyone else. And that's why he can look and make that comparison where when I see it, for example, it seems so strange to me. And that probably speaks to why he's been able to overcome so much because his perspective is that he is not encumbered by limitation. That's what Brad Snyder talked about, right? right? How, how you look at yourself, how you see the world around you, and how you form, how you put, put yourself mm-hmm. in the world and the environment you create. I mean, I love the part where Marcus basically was looking, hey, man, they were lucky to be on that stage with you. Exactly. Yeah, it- <laughs> That's a hell of a thing when you were born with something on the outside people can see. And then once you know yourself and you started doing all those adventures and when you see that you're capable of the same things that that somebody who has both their hands and and feet are, man, that builds up that armor. And he's better, right? And some of those those things. So it it gets to the point to where, man, if you're doing everything else, everybody else is doing it better, but... That abnormality or that defect or the deformity you think you were born with, man, that's just somebody verbalizing that at you, you know, trying to make you feel bad about whatever it is, your plight. Right. And if, man, if that doesn't affect you, well, that's all it is is words. I mean, if you know that is what it is, is words. Well, what was interesting for me too, what I heard is I also heard in that, like he doesn't get, or, or he does get it now. But now he's starting to understand the power of influence, right? Because where he's at in his mm-hmm. life and talking about that CNN clip where he got 34 million views around the world and getting letters from Kazakhstan and China, man, he knows now I can create content that influences mass, a, 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 an incredible, incredible amount of human beings. Now that becomes another conduit where he's going to have to look internally again and say, what do I want to say now? What do I really want to say to shape greater 
more existential perspective. Well, I think showing, demonstrating his life thus far in yeah. and of itself is is very powerful. Going to work Absolutely. out better him He's doing that. Plopping down into our crew either. Oh. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter you know, if you're pretty or ugly or whatever it is, we're going to talk about it, right? And if you're hanging out with us, you're going to do what we're doing. It's not, it's not, keep, you know, it's that constant motivation. Totally. Especially when our guys get hurt and, and we hammer them even harder, right? Because it's all up here. It's all in the old head. And, um, and we are going to sharpen each other oh, man. constantly. God, constantly. Constantly. That tumbler is always running. <laughs> yeah, our grit's on the outside. You walk past, you know, 18 guys walk past each other because of just the way we're designed. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna get a little. You're gonna get some. You're gonna get a little sharpening on that blade. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, that stone yeah. is always, always out. On, man. It's on the outside, right? <laughs> it's always and it's on each one of them. I, yeah. I really dig that. Listen, if if you're tuning into this thing, you're tuning into the TNQ podcast for the first time. My goodness. Have you just heard something special? I mean, for just five seconds, put yourself and what you're dealing with in your life into perspective and take a look at, at this young man, Kyle Maynard, no arms, no legs, his whole life and what he's done. Hopefully, I'm praying that that sent a jolt through you to your core. Let's go ahead and look at that. Whatever it is you're doing right now, if you're having kind of one of them bad days, take your hands away. And do it. And now your take your feet away and, and your, your legs away, away now, and then do it. Now have a bad day. Now do it. There <laughs> ain't no excuse then. Suddenly my day got better. God damn it. And, and let that be your purpose that you hear from this interview, man. Let, that, let Kyle be the igniter of what your purpose is. And he tells you, he explains it. His perspective is you don't have to know exactly what you're supposed to do, but get out there and go do something, something different, something unique, something that's going to test yourself where you're going to learn perhaps a direction, a path, or have a tool to combat what you're dealing with. If you've coming back, man, holy cow. You, you, I know you're shaking your head just like all three of us were on this one, man. Welcome back. Thank you so much. We are so blessed to have you back. Please take this interview and give it to somebody you know that's struggling. Send it to somebody. Send them the link. Go on their phone. Pick up their phone and pull up the iTunes podcasting app, dial it out, type in Team Never Quit in the search for them, hit subscribe, pull up Kyle's show, and have them listen to it today, right now. Right now, because I know in my heart, this show can make a difference in someone's life. In particular, let alone if they have a disability, but even more so if they don't. To recognize, man, that the obstacles we place, we typically place in front of ourselves, we create in our own mind. Well, you've got sitting in front of you right now an example of the power of someone seeing that, you know, uh, frame of reference change and uh, how that can save a life. I do. And thank you, Wizard. We've got a, a listener story, a listener never quit story. It's a little bit lengthy, but it's worth every single sentence that's and every, sure. every, every single word written on this. So here we go. This is from Daryl. Hey guys, how goes it? 
I'm 41 years old from a small town in Alabama called Rainbow City. I lived pretty much a regular life growing up. You know, doing what average people do in their early years. Bikes, skateboards, dirt bikes, and a whole lot of mischief. (laughs) Right on, Daryl. As I grew older, deer hunting became a huge part of my life. I spent a lot of time away from home during deer season, and I loved it. I loved it so much that on several occasions, I quit work for three, sometimes four months just to be in the woods. Even during the summer months, my life revolved around getting ready for hunting season. I lived this way for a number of years. Then in October of 2000, I met the girl that eventually became my wife. We dated for four years, and oddly enough, she was 100% supportive of my hunting. Whoa, she is unique. Wow. 100% unicorn. What? Unicorn. Unicorn. You are. live in Rainbow City. Yeah, that's right. Oh, good point. In October of 2000, I met the girl that eventually became my wife. We dated four years, and oddly enough, she was 100% supportive of my hunting. Right on. But I was becoming older and smarter, and I realized that I had obligations to meet in order to meet those. I had to let a little of my wants go. I was starting to realize, hey, there's another world out there, and I got to get on board. So around this time, I started focusing on the things that I needed to do, and not only the things I wanted to do. The greatest day of my life was the day I married her. She wasn't just a wife. She was my best friend, a confidant, and my go-to when I needed advice. Married life was great. We just seemed to know each other's thoughts and feelings without saying a word. Was our marriage perfect? No, but I don't know of any that are. Most of our problems were problems with the things married couples usually have, problems with bills and finances, and those two things usually work their way into other things but we made it work. Around 2008, I started to notice a shortness of breath upon exertion when doing anything strenuous or physical. I was always having some pains in both arms. I kept pretty close watch on how I was feeling daily. Sometimes it would be okay. Other times I'd feel awful. This rocked on for a while. And so I told my doctor about it. He did some basic stuff like blood tests and he had me monitor my blood pressure. After a while, I was feeling worse. I started having some chest discomfort, waking up with night shortness of breath and my chest hurting and my heart pounding. After dealing with that for a while, everything was hurting and I noticed my heart rate would increase on its own inexplicably. Needless to say, I decided to see a cardiologist. After a few tests and with a heart cath, it was determined that I had hypertrophic obstructed cardiomyopathy. It's a condition where the heart is enlarged and thickened on the left ventricle is so obstructed. So the blood flow isn't normal. Fatty heart, fatty heart. Upon finding out that I was referred to a surgeon and scheduled for surgery, January, 2011, I had corrective surgery that was successful. I left the hospital five days later and never felt better in my life. One month to the day of my surgery, I suffered a stroke. After that happened, everything seemed to start falling apart. The next two years, I was in and out of the hospital numerous times for different things. I couldn't tell you how many emergency room visits I endured. My wife had been so strong and supported me through all of it. However, after all the emergency rooms, visits, 
hospital stays, time away from work. It added a huge amount of debt on us that added an existing financial trouble. It eventually became more than she cared to put up with. So in December 2013, she filed for a divorce. That almost had a devastating outcome on my family and friends, if not for one thing. I tried to get on with my life, but in May 2014, I lost my job due to medical issues. In doing so, not only did I lose my job, but I also lost my insurance, house, car, and truck, life savings, retirement, and a huge gun and a huge gun collection I'll never be able to replace. In other words, I lost everything and anything that ever meant anything to me. After all this took place, I dwelled in a state of depression that I honestly knew where it was headed. I didn't have anything worth living for. I had lost everything. I couldn't see any of my doctors. I couldn't get anyone to understand what was going on. Most of all, I didn't have my friend there to help me get through this. So I sat there for days in my depression and thought about how can I just get out of this? How can I make it go away where I can't be bothered by this anymore? So I planned out what I was going to do. There was a secluded place in Northwest Alabama where I'd hunted when I was young. I had hunted it also just a few years before my surgery. I knew it was federal land, so it would still be there. So hunting season came around and I caught a ride with my buddy to head out there and hunt a couple of days. We cooked out that night and acted like old times. The next morning, I got him to drop me off ways away from where I'd actually be going. I made my way through the woods and up the side of a pretty steep ridge and there it was. The tree I'd sat under so many times in my life. I sat there and thought about my life for a little while and about some of the good times I'd had with friends over the years, and then my mind drifted off to the reason I was there. I thought a little bit about all that had happened since my heart surgery, and all that I had lost. I'd taken my phone with me because it contained my favorite song, and I wanted to hear it for one last time. I took the phone out, pulled up my music for the song Leonard Skinner, Tuesday's Gone. I pushed play, sat back, and relaxed and just took it in while I was sitting there thinking. Before I knew it, the song ended and it started over again. As I listened to it, I knew it was time. I had taken my favorite pistol with me and one round. I loaded the round into the magazine and charged it. I sat there for a minute or two, then stuck the pistol to my temple and I started to cry. Remember early when I said that started a string of events that almost had a devastating outcome on my family and friends? As I'm sitting there, the phone quits and the music goes off. All I knew is I wanted to hear my favorite song while I was doing what I was about to do. And somehow it gave me some comfort in hearing it. After the phone quit playing, I laid the pistol down on my lap and picked up the phone. It had just stopped as though the battery had died. And so I powdered it on again. I had it set so that when you turned it on, it went straight to Facebook. When it came on, the feed was on a post about Team Never Quit. And I saw the name Marcus Luttrell. 
I knew who he was. I knew who he was from Lone Survivor movie. And I'd heard a speech from him once where he was talking about Operation Red Wing. He was telling the story about after he fell and broke his leg and he took a rock and drew a line and crawled to it. And then he did it again and again. Remember I said that started a string event of events that almost had a devastating outcome on my family and friends, if not for one thing. Well, that one thing was that feed popping up from Team Never Quit. As I sat there and thought about that phrase, Team Never Quit, and remembering Marcus's story for whatever reason, my attention turned to wanting to check out the podcast. The very first episode I listened to was the Justin Legg story. After listening to his story, I actually felt a little shameful. All this guy went through, and he's sitting there joking about it. I unloaded my pistol and threw the round as far as I could see. I don't know how it happened, and I wouldn't dare try and explain why. All I know is the Team Never Quit podcast saved my life. So if you're affiliated with the show, thank you from the deepest part of my heart and soul. Daryl, I don't know what to say, brother, but thank God you're still alive. Thank God that... (laughs) Thank God I can say is thank God. I don't know what you're looking at me for, man. I can't say nothing. I mean, I'm you know, glad you're here, bro. That's that's amazing. I'm glad you're still part of the team. We need you. We do. Yeah. We need you, Daryl. And and man, thank you for the courage to write in. Absolutely. Thank you for the courage for sharing sharing your story. Thank you for the courage of making it through. Thank you for the courage. Of what you've been through, my man. You're never out of the fight. And you prove that by sending that story into us and sharing that with our millions of listeners. Just so privileged, man. I feel so blessed and so thankful right now, gents. I I just likely turned what a tragedy into there's someone out there, there are probably more than one, there's probably more than one person out there that's going to hear this that possibly have the exact same effect. Ah, man, I'm blown away. I, I just, I, I want to thank God. Thank you, Christ. Thank you to my daughters. Thank you to my parents. Thank you to my family. Thank you to my friends. Thank you to my teammates. Thank you to Kyle, man. Thank you so much, Kyle, for just being, for sticking with it and doing what you're doing. And thank you, Daryl. Thank you, because you're the reason I keep coming back. I do what I do. You're the reason, brother. Kyle, you're something else, man. Keep keep charging forward. You're a... I don't want to call you an anomaly, man, but... The force of nature. Yeah, right? I mean, he's something to... We're going to be hearing from him in the future. Amen. Uh, yeah, right? And um, so it's just... It's a, it's reciprocal. We will look out for each other. That's, that's the most important thing we got, really, is the family. Okay. And when you look up from hard times, and that's what kind of... Keeps getting you back up, right? People you surround yourself with, and this LTM keeps full of them now. And it, you're just one more example of how um, how amazing the, the people are. So thank you for that. I'm out. Out.
never quit. Team Aim never quit. Team never quit radio. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.